Uh, th- kids up through fifth grade are welcome to head on down to their classrooms. For the rest of you, please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. I do want to just mention, as I thank the crowd for being here, I also want to say thank you to Pastor David and uh, Mark Toll and our whole AV guys because this was uh, quite the project, getting all this together to sound uh, as good as it has this morning. So thank you to you guys as well. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2 this morning, like I said, and we're really we're doing something a little bit different. So if you are new with us, this service is going to be, uh, well, it already has been very different than normal, but the sermon is going to be very different than normal as well. Usually at Rock Prairie Church, we kind of preach through different books of the Bible, so we're almost through James right now. We just go verse by verse, and wherever we leave off is where we pick up the next week. Um, but every once in a while, I feel like it's appropriate not only to, uh, to preach God's Word, but also to talk about how we're doing as a church in terms of living out the things that we're called to live out. And so uh, as we've been sharing for a while, we've been meeting as church leadership to kind of feel, uh, to discern from the Lord what his vision is for us as a church. And so this morning, we're going to spend a little time in Acts 2, kind of talking about some of the things we want to be about as a church. But we're going to get real specific and real granular almost with how we feel like uh, the Lord is calling us to live out some of these things as a church. And so uh, before we do that, Uh, Please bow your heads with me and let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you once again for this opportunity to participate in this worship service this morning, to think on your holiness. You are holy, holy, holy. You are perfect. We are not. You are faithful. We are not. And yet you sent us your son while we were yet sinners. So that all who receive him to those who believe in his name, God, you gave us the right to become your children. What a thought, God. We praise you. We thank you for that. And now we are a family, those of us who are in Christ, God. And in your word, you call us to be a family, and you tell us how we're supposed to live together as a family. And so, Lord, as we look to your word this morning, as we talk about some of these things we want to be all about at Rock Prairie Church, we just ask, again, for uh, humility, for wisdom, that you would bless us, that you would give, grant us unity in the body, and that you would be glorified in all that we do. That's what this is all about, Lord. We just want to be arrows pointing to you. We want to be mirrors reflecting your glory, God, to the world, to our neighbors and to the nations. And so to that end, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, at the beginning of the book of Acts, Jesus has just ascended into heaven, and he has given the disciples their final mission. He says, you'll be my uh, uh, witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then the book of Acts kind of plays that out as a, that's kind of the roadmap. They start in Jerusalem, then they go out to uh, Judea and Samaria, and ultimately uh, we are called to carry on the mission to the ends of the earth. And after Jesus ascends back into heaven, the Holy Spirit comes upon all believers for the first time, which is an event known as, starts with a P, say it with me. Pentecost, very good. It's Pentecost. And in the beginning of uh, verse in 20, uh, 41, excuse me, in Acts chapter 2, we see the kinds of things that the early church who had just received the Spirit, the kinds of things that they were all about. Now, look there with me in your Bibles. It says this, so those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. It's amazing. 
It's incredible falling of the Spirit. 3,000 people added to the church. So what did they do? Verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. It's amazing. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. I love this in many ways because of how simple this is. Like the first Christians had just experienced the Holy Spirit coming on them in tongues of fire. So what did they do? Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread, and to prayer. They took care of each other's needs, they praised God, and they shared their faith. That's what they did. Discipleship, fellowship, evangelism, worship, serving, giving. All things that we want our church to be all about as well. I sometimes say that I want our church to be radical in how boringly biblical we are. If our church is going to be radical, that's what I want us to be radical in just how boringly biblical we are. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel here at Rock Prairie. God tells us what we're supposed to be all about as a church in his word, but we want to be radical in the way that we actually do it, in the way that we actually live it out. And if we can be so radically boring in the way we worship together and grow in our faith and take care of the poor and needy and share our faith, well, then we're going to be doing exactly what we're called to do. And I begin with that passage as a backdrop for what the rest of our time is going to be all about. Like I said, this morning's sermon is going to be very different than usual. In some sense, I'm almost inviting you into a staff meeting with me to talk about, again, where the Lord is leading us to go as a church. Now, Corral, let me just say, as our guests, obviously these things won't necessarily affect you, but I hope that the things that we talk about this morning will help you get a sense for what things are important in a church, any church. And if you're new with us, if you're visiting with us this morning, I hope this helps you see what we're all about at Rock Prairie. And I, if you're a part of our church, I hope that this morning encourages you as we talk about what kind of people we're called to be. So the first thing I want to do is talk about our focus groups that we had. Now, back in November, you remember we in leadership challenged you as a church to take part in focus groups in preparation for a strategic planning weekend that we're pl- we were planning to have as pastors and deacons and uh, leadership. We, we were planning to have this weekend, but we didn't want to do it without your input about what kinds of things were important at Rock Prairie. And you guys responded in overwhelming fashion. So we had many focus groups that met just to talk about uh, five different questions. And as we compiled all the data, we had somebody there right, writing everything down that you guys said. And so we compile, compiled all that data. And there were several themes as we looked through that information that started to emerge. So we kind of, as we look at it, there's some things that started to emerge about what you guys really love about Rock Prairie Church. And there are some things that started to emerge about ways that you want our church 
to grow. So in terms of strengths that you saw as a church, there was one that uh, was bought far and above everything else, and I bet that you can guess what it is. It's the fact that we're a family. We're a family. We love being a family at Rock Prairie Church. Every single focus group, that came up. When we talked about strengths, that's what came up first. That word family probably came up more than any other word in the focus groups, and it's true. When you're part of this church, you're truly family. This is baked into the DNA of who we are at Rock Prairie Church. Our church is over 150 years old. Norma is 92 years old today. It's her birthday, and she's been a part of our church for 92 years. And she'd tell you that this has been true of our church for her entire life. Now, there have been many up and downs in our church's history, and we certainly look different as a church than we did 150 years ago, but this is something that's been a strength and a blessing. This is who we are. Rock Prairie Church, we're family. I've had many people come to visit me from out of town in my three years that I've been here, and every single time someone visits, that's the first thing they comment on. Like, man, it's just evident. Like, you guys love each other. You're family. Now, obviously, I think we still have room to grow in this. We can always grow in these things, but we are uniquely blessed to be a part of a church family that truly is family. Maybe for some of you, you haven't ever been to another church other than Rock Prairie. You might think, oh, that's just what all churches are like, but let me just say it's not. It is a unique blessing at Rock Prairie. And so because of that, with whatever changes that we make in the future as we look to the vision of what God's calling us to, we need to make sure to preserve that fact that we are family. We're not trying to change that at all. This is how the Lord has gifted us, and we want to make sure that with whatever we do, we keep that in mind. So family, that was the first strength that came up just over and over again from the focus, focus groups. The second major thing that came up with as, from a, a strength perspective was the way that we do ministry the opportunities that you have to grow in your faith. Now, this is interesting because this also was one of the main things that came up in terms of ways that you want to see our church grow, and we'll get to that in a minute. But being a family and the ability to grow in your faith were kind of the two things that you guys said were strengths of Rock Prairie in the focus groups. So those are the strengths that came up, and then I want to talk a little bit about what you guys saw were areas for us to grow as a church. When it came to those areas, there were three main categories. There were ministry opportunities, hospitality, the way we welcome in new people, and facilities. So first with ministry opportunities, even when saying that ministry was a strength at Rock Prairie, you guys had a lot of great ideas about different ministry things that we can pursue in a future, things that you saw that we're not doing right now that we should be doing in the future. Overall, it seemed like really what came up was we want to be more strategic as a church about the way that we do discipleship. So that's the first ministry opportunities, hospitality being the second. Which was interesting to me because even though we said that family was a strength, we felt like uh, we needed to make improvements to make sure that we are as welcoming as possible to everyone who walks through the doors. The way I say it oftentimes is I want every new person who walks through the doors at Rock Prairie to see three things to be true about us. If we can get these three things right, we'll be in a great place. One, I want them to walk away saying, man, these people really love Jesus. Like they're really serious about that. These people love Jesus. Number two, I want them to say, these people love each other. They're a family. I want people to walk away saying that. And then the third one, which is sometimes more difficult, which is these people love me. 
I feel like I can be a part of this family. And man, if we can get those three things, these people love Jesus, these people love each other, and these people love me. If we can get those three things down when it comes to the way that we love others, we're going to be in a great spot. So see, hospitality was the second way that you saw that we could really grow as a church. And then the third was you wanted to see us grow in the way that we utilize and steward our facilities. This was the third thing that came up from the focus groups. We're so blessed to have this worship center for our services and to have the rest of our facilities, the old uh, Lincoln Elementary School building for discipleship. It is a huge blessing, and the fact that we are debt-free on these facilities is doubly a blessing. However, there's some areas of the building that haven't been touched in, 20, in the 20 years that we've been in this building, and one of the key things that came from the focus groups was your desire to see us improve some of these facilities so that we can be good stewards of what God has given us. So that's the focus groups. That was back in November. That's really what came to light from what you guys said you wanted to see happen at Rock Prairie. And so what we did was when we met for our strategic planning weekend in the end of January, we took that information and we worked with someone named Chris Williams to start to develop a strategic plan around those initiatives. And here's what was really cool was not only did you participate in that strategic planning session by giving us the data from the focus groups, more importantly than that, you guys participated in prayer. And that was awesome. We sent out a, a sign-up for everyone to pray. I think it was 15, maybe 30-minute slots for every minute that we would be meeting together. And so for every minute that we met together as leadership, it was being covered by, in prayer from someone in our church. And that meant the world to us. It was amazing. It was really cool. So what Chris did was he wasn't, he wasn't a, a consultant. So he wasn't somebody who came in to tell us this is what you need to do as a church. What he did instead was he brought a series of questions for us to answer, about 20 charts that we ended up filling out over the time that we were together so that we could discern what God's plan was for us as a church. So he wasn't telling us what to do. He was helping us discern what God was calling us to be. And through asking those questions, taking into the account the information from the focus groups, this picture began to emerge about where we believe the Lord is calling us to go. So what comes next? Where are we going next? Well, we're going to talk about that right now. But let me just say at the outset that what I'm going to share here are more big picture ideas. In other words, we don't, I'm not announcing any new ministry initiatives just yet. I'm not announcing anything uh, that we're doing. Rather, these are the big picture ideas of those things that we feel like the Lord is calling us to do as leadership. And so because of that, we still need lots of prayer. I feel like we have a, a fuzzy picture in front of us, and we just need the Lord to make that more and more clear for those puzzle pieces to kind of fit uh, in as he does that. And so um, that's, uh, we're not announcing any new major things, but this is just so you can know how to be praying for us. All right, well, here's the first thing that we discovered through our time as uh, in the strategic planning, which is that at Rock Prairie, this became clear as our number one priority is like a flashing red light going off, that we need to develop a strategic discipleship pathway at Rock Prairie Church, a strategic discipleship pathway. What do I mean by that? 
Well, we have a lot of discipleship options here at Rock Prairie, right? We have women's Bible studies, we have Everyman Warrior groups, we have life groups, we have grace marriage, we have family discipleship things that go on. But it just became so obvious to us that while we have this kind of menu of options for people to get discipled, we don't really have a strategic pathway or plan to help people necessarily grow in taking that next step in their faith. And this became really obvious to us when we were talking about our mission as a church, right? What's our mission? In fact, I want you to say it with me. I'll say it, but I want you to say it with me. We're called to make Christ known from our neighbors to the nations. That's exactly right. That's what we need to be all about as a church, right? That's the mission. It comes from the, it's not, we didn't make it up. It comes from the Great Commission. We want to make Christ known from our neighbors to the nations. And so as we were talking, we were asking ourselves, what if we were incredibly successful in that mission? What if like 40 people in our community went from having no relationship with Christ to because of the amazing evangelism we were doing as a church, all of a sudden they became believers in Jesus and showed up at church? Would we know what to do with them if we were successful in that mission? Would we actually be able to help them grow in the first basic steps of knowing what it means to be, have a relationship with the Lord? And the answer was no. If we're like really gut level honest, if we're taking a real, like brutally true assessment of where we're at as a church, if we were super successful in our mission, we wouldn't really know what to do next. And that's a problem, right? And then what if people learn the basics? What about kind of that next step? How are we taking people when somebody has a hunger to grow in the Lord? Do we really have something that we can say, this is what you do to grow in your next steps with the Lord? And then the next step, and then the next step. So we need to be more strategic about the way we go about doing discipleship. So don't hear me say that discipleship isn't happening at Rock Prairie. Discipleship very much is happening at Rock Prairie. And I get to hear all the time stories of how people in our church are growing in their relationship with the Lord. And nothing fires me up more than that. Like discipleship is happening at Rock Prairie. But we don't have a strategic plan for how to help people learn and grow and take their next step in the walk with Jesus. And this is the big thing. So we came out with a bunch of things from, from the weekend, but this was the big thing. And so this is how I would really ask you to pray because, again, we feel like there's a fuzzy picture out there, but we don't have clarity just yet about what this looks like. And the truth is there's no, like, one perfect discipleship program that's just going to fix everything, right? It's not about just finding the perfect thing, but it's about being wise in the steps that we take and being ready to help disciple people in their next steps and the Lord. So in terms of what came out of our weekend, this was the big thing, was having a strategic discipleship pathway. And that brings us to our facilities. That's what I want to talk about next. Now, I want to be clear before I talk about our facilities. The church is not a building, right? Amen? Can I get an amen for that? The church is not a building, we want to get technical, we're not in a church right now. We're in a building that holds the church. The church is the people. And yet, as people who have been blessed by God, who are Rock Prairie Church, we've been given a building that God allows us to use as a tool for ministry. So the, the building isn't the church, but the building is a tool that helps us do discipleship, helps us to gather together to worship the Lord. Helps us to grow in our faith. 
in the way that we love one another and love the Lord. If we didn't have the building, it would be much more difficult to be the church, right? And so like I said before, as many of you know, we're extremely blessed to be totally debt-free as a church. In 2019, we were at a point where it was in my first year here, and our finances were going downhill fast. And uh, in 2020, the very beginning of 2020, uh, we started a capital campaign and, uh, to pay off the debt for our church. We had, I think, uh, just over $330,000 in debt, just right around there. And, uh, and praise God, through the pandemic shutting us down and everything else, uh, we paid off our debt as a church. And so we're completely debt-free, and uh, praise the Lord for that. Well, like I said, one of the big things to come out of the focus groups was a desire to make some necessary improvements to the building in order to be good stewards of what God has entrusted to us. And so what I'm going to share kind of about some of those specific things that we feel like we need to do didn't come out of our strategic planning weekend necessarily, but these are things that have been in the works for a while and they're just important things that we need to accomplish. And the first thing that we need to accomplish as a church is uh, replacing all the windows, (laughs) Replacing the windows. This is the big one. The, original, the windows are original to the building, and they are uh, extremely inefficient. They're broken in some places. Some of our kids' classrooms have just duct tape over cracks in the windows, and it's just time uh, to uh, make a change here. Uh, and so we have a team of people who have been meeting with the trustees to plan and get quotes on what it would take to replace all the windows, including the glass block. And so what you see here is a rendering of what uh, the windows will look like, Lord willing, once they are replaced. And so you'll see all the glass block has been removed, and it's just going to be one uh, panel on top, and then three panels on top, and then three panels on the bottom. And so we got a bunch of quotes. People have been working really hard on this. We got a bunch of quotes. A bunch of people came in. And praise the Lord, one quote came in around $100,000 less than all the other quotes uh, at just about $210,000 is what it's going to take to do the windows. It's a big project, um, but it's something that is really important to get done. And so with all the plaster work that needs to, will need to be done as well, we're anticipating uh, probably we need to budget around $250,000 to replace the windows. So that's the first kind of big project that we have coming up. The second one that we uh, feel like we need to do is uh, kind of a grouping together of three things, the children's classrooms, the adult classrooms, and uh, the flooring. Now these, uh, this is significantly less expensive than the windows, but I would say equally important. the children's classrooms uh, being the first of those, that we are super blessed as a church. How blessed are we to be a church filled with kids? I mean, when we had uh, the kids singing Silent Night up here during Christmas time, we had, I think, 90 kids, over 90 kids that were up here on stage. It's amazing. And the children's classrooms, as much as blessed as we are to have the space that we have for them, is they're just due uh, for a facelift. So we need to redo the flooring down the hallway. Uh, that flooring is original, again, to the elementary school, and those tiles are coming up uh, all the time. Uh, the flooring in the classrooms needs to be replaced. Uh, we need to have better storage in the classrooms for teachers, and some of the classrooms need new furniture. So we just want to really, we feel like it's time uh, for us uh, to just do an uh, upgrade when it comes to the children's classrooms. Nothing crazy, but just uh, making some necessary changes. We also want to redo the flooring down the adult discipleship hallway and repaint some of those adult classrooms that haven't been painted in uh, 20 years, and some of them are uh, desperately in need of a paint job at the very least. 
So all together, uh, we're estimating this will cost around $60,000 for the flooring, for the kids' hallway, and for the adult uh, hallway as well. But that we're very much in the early stages with that. And then finally, uh, the parking lot uh, is going to need to be repaved at some point. It's not an emergency yet, but we're getting to the point where it's going to need to be totally redone. For some areas in the parking lot, you need four-wheel drive to get to a parking spot, so it's just, it's getting to the point where it's getting close. And so that's probably, again, we're not sure on numbers, but we think it's safe to budget around $75,000. So if you add those things up, you get around $385,000 worth of projects that we feel like we need to do as a church. So how are we going to pay for that? Well, the deacons all agree that having just come out of debt, we don't want to just immediately go back into debt, right? It would not be wise for us to just take out a loan that's the exact same size of what we just worked so hard to pay off our debt. So we can't do that. We need to raise money as a church. And so in two weeks, on March 13th, we're going to have a meeting after church to talk more about the specifics. But until then, I would just ask you uh, to pray for that. And then I also want to say this when it comes to this, that even though these things are, I would say, very important to our mission, to being good stewards, again, if we've been given this building, we want to take the best care that we can of it as possible. Even though it's super important, we don't want to only raise money just for the building. So what we're going to do is we're going to actually tithe 10% off of everything that comes in to go toward our mission of reaching our neighbors and the nations. And so 5% of what you give is going to go to the neighbor's team, and 5% of what you give will go toward the nation's team for special projects to be used outside of the walls of our church. We need to raise money to... uh, um, to fix some of these things within the walls of our church, but we don't want to only be raising for that. We want to be giving outside the walls as well, and we think this gives us a great opportunity to do that. So if you add all this up, over the next two years is what we're thinking. We're, gonna, we're praying that we can raise $425,000 over and above our regular tithes and offerings. Now, this is a big deal, but we have a big God who's given us a big mission. And so we're going to trust him. And God has always come through in the past. It's been amazing. It was amazing for me to be a part of our last capital campaign and see the Lord come through. And so we're just going to trust him and trust that he will provide if it's his will. If it's not his will for us to do these things, then the, he, the money won't be provided. But we trust that if it is his will, that he will provide. And so like I said, March 13th, we're going to have a meeting after church to break this down in more detail. And then we're going to be asking you to pray about giving until April 10th, which will be the last day that we'll collect pledges. Uh, we'll talk more about this in the future. So all, the, all this to say, these are kind of two huge things that we feel like the Lord is leading us to in the coming months. Developing a discipleship strategy to help everyone who walks through the doors, no matter if they've been following Jesus for seven days or for 92 years, to take that next step in their faith and their walk with the Lord. And we want, Lord willing, to raise money to put into projects inside and outside our building that are going to help us accomplish our mission to make Christ known from our neighbors to the nations. All right. That's a lot. Should we all take a, let's take a deep breath collectively. (sighs) Okay. We good? Can I get a thumbs up? We good to keep going? All right. Maybe I should have the crowd come and do a halfway song before we keep going. Or I, you know what? I'll sing a song. (laughs) No? Okay. We won't do that. All right couple more things that we want to uh, make sure that we are being all about as a church. The second thing that we discerned that we need to be working on is volunteer engagement. Volunteer engagement. What we mean by that is that we are uh, uh, equipping our church to both learn their spiritual gifts and utilize their spiritual gifts for the building up of the body and the glory of God. 
1 Peter 4, 10 through 11 says this. It says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. I love this passage because it's so clear. It gives us two crystal clear reasons about why we've been given spiritual gifts. The first reason, at the beginning of verse 10, as each has received a gift, every single one of you, follower of Jesus, has received a gift, use it, why? To serve one another. So the first reason we've been given a spiritual gift is to serve one another. And then the second reason at the end of verse 11, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So everyone has been given a gift to serve one another and to glorify God. Corral, you use your gifts this morning to glorify God and to serve the church. You might be thinking, eh, it's not really a gift. I'm an exercise science major. It's just something I do for an extracurricular or whatever. But it is a gift, I promise you. And in fact, if you don't believe me, let me invite 50 random people up from our church to sing, and we'll see if our church is blessed in the same way that we were from you guys singing this morning. It's a gift. We all have a gift, and we're all called to use that gift. And when we don't use that gift, the Bible says we're actually robbing God of the glory that he deserves. If he gave us a gift to be used for his glory, when we don't use it, we're robbing God of glory that he deserved. Now, as we looked into the numbers and the data from our church, we use this Breeze Church Management System to keep track of everything at our church. And one of the things we actually saw was that a very high percentage of people in our church are serving in some capacity. Not everyone, but a very high percentage. Like if I told some of my pastor friends what percent of people in Rock Prairie are serving, they would be blown away. So we are really, really blessed to have many, many of you. As I look out on your faces right now, I know that you guys use your gifts already to serve the body, and we are extremely grateful for that. And yet, here's the problem, is that we've found as a church that we're still often struggling to find volunteers for certain positions. So some of you are serving in many positions and being burnt out, and others of you aren't serving at all because maybe you don't think your gift is needed. And so we've come to three realizations. Again, this is just kind of being an open book. This is what we found when it comes to our church. First of all, we need to offer opportunities to train people in our church to learn what their spiritual gifts are. If you don't know what your spiritual gift is, there's no way you can use it, right? So we need to help people in our church know what their spiritual gifts are. Secondly, we as church leadership need to do a better job of communicating how people can use their gifts to serve. Oftentimes, what we found is the same people get asked to do things over and over again, which leads to burnout for some people. And then for other people who never see a need, they feel like they're not needed. And both of those things are not what we want. We don't want some people to feel burnout. We don't want other people to feel like they're not needed. And then thirdly, we need to be more discerning as leadership about what kinds of things we're asking of people. So if we have more serving needs than people in our church... If we have more positions that we need filled than actual people in our church, we got a problem, right? The, the basic math doesn't work out. So we need to be wise in the things that we're 
asking for help for. So this is something, again, in the coming months we're going to be really looking at. How are we engaging volunteers? How are we equipping our church to, use their, to know their gifts and then to use their gifts to serve the body? And then finally, we want to grow in our outreach strategy, our outreach strategy. And we don't have much time to talk about this other than to say that the neighbors team has been meeting to essentially undergo the same process for our church's outreach that we did for the whole church. But some of the big things that came out of the weekend were the idea of equipping our church to share their faith. Like we can have the world's greatest outreach strategy as a church, but if we don't know how to share our faith, it's all going to be meaningless. So we need to make sure that we're, again, equipping our church to share their faith. So these are the things, again, that came out. We want to make sure that we um, are more strategic in the way that we do discipleship and offer more opportunities for people to grow in their faith. We want to make sure that we're strategic in the way that we engage our church to serve uh, using their gifts. And we want to be, make sure that we're more strategic in the way that we reach our neighbors with the good news of Jesus Christ. So what we're talking about as we close here, I promise we're coming to a close now. We're talking about three things. We're talking about more discipleship, more serving, and more outreach. What does that all take? Time, right? Now, I'm guessing that if I asked you to raise your hand to say, who feels like they have just 10 free hours a week to give to the church, I would guess that not very many hands would go up. And so that brings us to the last thing I want to talk about as I close. We're actually going to hand out, I had a, a, a visual illustration to hand out to every single one of you as you walked in, and I forgot it. So, um, whoops, <laughs> I'm just realizing that right now. The, so just imagine, it's not that hard to imagine, you can all imagine. Imagine that I handed each one of you when you walked in, maybe I'll do it next week, I don't know. Imagine if I handed each one of you when you walked in a poker chip, a poker chip, and you were holding that, imagine that, you were holding that in your hand. Why? Why uh, would we do that? Well, Chris, when we uh, met with him, he gave us this analogy about our church that really stuck with every single one of us in the room. He said, every member of your church has a limited number of, quote, poker chips that represented, represent their time. And they only have so many that they can give to the church. And every time you ask somebody to be involved in something, you're asking them to give a poker chip that they can't give somewhere else. And that analogy really stuck with us. Because I think as we thought about our church, I think there's probably a few different populations, and maybe you fall into one of these categories. Some of you feel really good about the time that you're giving to the church, like you're serving, you're involved in discipleship, it works for you, and you just feel really good about it. I hope that's many of you. Praise the Lord for that. Others of you might be feeling like you're out of poker chips to give. In fact, maybe you ran out a long time ago and you're borrowing against the house at this point. And when that happens, you start to feel burnout. And when you feel burnout, a lot of things in your life go south. We don't want that. And still others of you might feel like you could give more to the church, but you don't know how. Maybe you've got some poker chips. You're like, I want to get involved. I want to serve. I just don't know how and I don't feel like I'm needed. We don't want that as well. And then there's maybe a fourth category of people where maybe you don't realize that you need to have some more poker chips to give to the church in terms of your time, in terms of your involvement. But no matter where you're at in that spectrum, we want to do a better job 
Well, I want to help you by doing a better job of making it clear what it looks like to be a successful member of Rock Prairie Church. I think that's what it comes down to. Why We need to be clear. We want to be clear in leadership, and we want all of you to have clarity of the sense of, when I'm a part of Rock Prairie, what does that mean? What does that mean when I'm involved in? What does that mean I do? Other than just coming to this building on Sunday mornings at 1030, what does it mean to be a member of Rock Prairie Church? And we want to be really clear about that. And so I just want you to know, as we think about these things, and it can be a little bit overwhelming to think about all these things that we've talked about, we're also very much thinking about how can we do these things without necessarily just demanding more and more and more of people when they don't have that to give. In some ways, it's kind of like a a very complicated math problem. We're trying to figure out how to do this, but we feel like the Lord is starting to give us clarity on it. So I just ask that you would, A, pray for us, and then B, know that this is our heart. It's our heart to help us to all have clarity and uh, all have just more peace about what it means to be a part of a thriving member of the body of Christ. Let me just say, man, as your pastor, I am so, so so, so blessed to be a part of this church. Next week is actually uh, coming up on my uh, third year anniversary of being a part of Rock Prairie Church, and I just can't imagine uh, being anywhere else. As I look on your faces, I get a little bit emotional thinking about that. We are so blessed to be here. We're so blessed to be a part of this body, and this is what we want to be about as a church. It's nothing new right? It's growing in our current mission, our current vision. We want to make Christ known from our neighbors to the nations. We want every, every member of Rock Prairie Church to know Christ truly, to know him deeply, and then to be a part of making him known widely. That's what the Bible calls us to be all about. Boringly radical, radically biblical, gospel-centered, Christ-exalting, God-glorifying, unity-pursuing, growing and serving and evangelizing and taking care of the poor and needy and all the while loving one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. We are nowhere near perfect in that. But by God's grace, we're growing. And by God's grace, he will shape us more and more into his precious bride that he's calling us to be. We are the bride of Christ, church. We want to live like it. We don't want to take that for granted. We don't want to take these things lightly. I'm so thankful for this church. I'm so thankful for my brothers and sisters at Rock Prairie. And by God's grace, if the Lord wills, we will continue to grow as we make Christ known from our neighbors to the nations. Amen? Let's pray. God, you have been so, so good to us. God, we praise you for your faithfulness. We praise you for your grace. God, you know our hearts. You know our shortcomings. You know our failings. You know the ways that we have failed to love our neighbor as ourselves. You know every way that we failed to love you with all our heart, soul, and mind. And yet even as we fail, we find nothing but grace upon grace upon grace. So Lord, we just ask, we can do none of this by your help, Lord. We ask that you would mold us and shape us into the people you're calling us to be. That our church here, Rock Prairie Church in Tipton, Indiana, would bring you glory 
that you deserve by the way we love each other, by the way we use our gifts to serve one another and make you known, God. We praise you. We thank you for the privilege it is to gather in this place and worship you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing together of the goodness of God.